Can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Caroline Hammer. And we are about to get into the episode, but before we do, I want to let you know if you want to follow us over on the socials, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, at Movies We Missed in both both instances. Um, Jane, how are you doing today? How's everything going on this this, uh, bleak this bleak Tuesday? Uh, yeah, it's real rainy and, like, depressing, but, um, at least here in Chicago, um, but it's not too cold, so that's good. But I'm wondering why you chose Caroline. Is there, is there, like, normally I can, like, find the through line to why you choose my made-up middle name every week, and I'm wondering... Made up. <laughs> and I'm wondering what inspired you this week to choose Caroline because well, I don't I know. There's no against, character named Caroline. I want to push back first of all against the 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 made up categorization. Um, and Michael Douglas's wife's name is Susan Sanders, <laughs> but the actress's name is Caroline Goodall. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Good, good, yeah, good. It's good, not good, always going to be. I'm not always going to going to just hand it to you, spoon feed it to you. Sometimes you gotta. <laughs> Take a, take a second look around that, that you know, that cast of characters. And uh, do a little answer being a surprising yeah. place. Yeah, that's what they do mm-hmm. in this movie, at least. That's how they unearth all the goodies. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. what. I didn't know which. Okay. Well, I was going to tell you what. Oh, okay. <laughs> you coming in fucking spicy today. Here we go. Um, I, I didn't know which way this movie was going to go, left, right, or something. Neither did they. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when you gave me this movie and when I watched it, I was like, this feels like a John Grisham novel in my head. And Michael then I Crichton. read about it and it's a Michael Crichton novel, which I think is like a similar category. Yeah, no, it's... I was really excited to give you this one because um, I it pushes the envelopes. It asks uncomfortable mm, questions. and it sure uh, does. It does. This movie actually is really funny because I had all of these. I've seen this movie. I don't know. Over the course of my life, I've maybe seen this movie six or seven times. And like, that's from like a really young age when I shouldn't have been watching it. Because I watched this movie for the, <laughs> for the first time when I was like eight, if I remember correctly. Oh I was my like, God. I should not have been seeing this. But <laughs> this it happened. And I had a lot of epiphanies about this movie this time, which that like like pieces that i put together about in this film that i've never mm-hmm. put together before watching it this time and i was like whoa and like interesting I, yeah so it'll be interesting to discuss uh, i'd love you. for you to have like once we get started love for you to have like an epiphanies corner where you just tell us like list out the epiphanies the epiphanies that i name you're gonna be like duh brandon because <laughs> It's not like, first of all, this isn't like, this This movie isn't not heavy-handed. And so it's not like, it's not things that are like, like anybody who's seen this movie is going to be like, yeah, Brandon, that that's the plot. Yeah, but you um, were a kid. But also, I mean, this movie, I will, just to reiterate, there is zero subtlety in this movie. That's not what we were after with this baby. Um, no. <laughs> we are and smacking also, you in the face with lessons. 
And before we get into... What, is there anything else we want to talk about before we... Um... I don't know. We, like, normally we talk about a bunch of bullshit, but I was, like, kind of so ready to get in. I would love to hear if you have um, prepared um, sort of a a, uh, a retelling of what happened in this movie, Disclosure. Sort of as... Uh, I believe we're calling it a synopsis. Okay. I'm going to dive into it. Okay, please. The floor is yours. And it's lava. <laughs> Comedian on our hands. One moment. Technology and misogyny abound in this 1990s workplace tech romp thriller of the future. Digicom CEO Bob Garvin is looking to hire a new head of his company's CD-ROM division. While everyone has eagerly awaited hearing that majestically mulleted mid-level exec and head of production Tom Sanders will be moving into the role, it soon becomes clear that Bobby G has different plans. Following Digicom's recent merger with a larger and former rival company, Bob has opted to bring in some fresh blood from another Digicom office. You're probably wondering who the business bro is that'll be leapfrogging over Tom to gain the position as the head of CD-ROMs, aka the Pharaoh of Floppies. Who is the new bloke on the block? Who is the newest manly member of this boys club? Well, I'm gonna give you a second to wash the misogyny out of the corners of your mouth because your sexism is showing. You never even considered the fact that Tom was bested by a woman. Yeah, I'll give you a moment to pick your tongue up off the floor. Meredith Johnson is a raven-haired beauty and savvy businesswoman. And most germane to our discussion is the fact that she used to partake in concerts of a Caucasian coitus with Tommy Boy. Mayor Bear has been tapped to head this division of Bob Garvin's company, partly due to her business acumen, but also because Bob wants her to serve as a weird proxy for his dead daughter he'd had hopes of passing the company on to. Once Meredith catches wind of the fact that she will be Tom's boss, she invites him to her office for a celebration of sorts, a platonic meeting between old chums, or a boisterous bacchanal of bosoms and booty. Boss Lady Johnson shoots her shot, requesting that Tom provide her with a little shoulder rub. <laughs> and let's just all agree that after this one's over, she's not canceling her Massage Envy membership. Once the feckless rubdown is initiated, she ups her ante by going after Tom's man mound. And once he rebuffs her advances and denies her the sexual release she so desperately desires, she initiates a trail of accusations that could spell disaster for both of their careers also places a strain on Tom's home life. The event weighs on Tom's wife's shoulders heavier than the turquoise jewelry she purchased while on holiday in Santa Fe. And in order to prove his innocence, Tom will have to leave the Seattle that he's known and travel into the most advanced virtual world since Nintendo's Duck Hunt. This software makes a filing cabinet look like, well, a filing cabinet. But it also unearths the secrets of a devious plot that extends beyond matters of carnality. This movie is an undeniable classic. It adds to an already rich cinematic lineage of films that sought to shed light on the gritty underbelly of mid-1990s Pacific Northwest business dealings. Will Tom save his marriage that's already on life support? Will this technology be deemed obsolete before the credits roll? Or will we finally understand what happens when the secrets buried in a computer's hard drive come to light? <laughs> While secrets can make for delicious diversions, you could never underestimate the power of full disclosure. Wowza! There was a lot of fantastic alliteration in that synopsis. Thank you. I'm and a whore for alliteration. 
one of one part well i guess it's technically not alliteration unless it's three in a row but one that made me physically ill was man mound when you were referring to um oh yeah the penis i didn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. that is that something nice. that that people say a lot or is that yeah just a lot of people say it oh okay i wasn't I've, I've never heard it so i i absolutely <laughs> i wrote a song called man mound that was really big in the netherlands Wow, did it so, chart yeah. on on like Billboard World, Hot Billboard World, okay. uh, Netherlands Now that chart that they have there, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> Nasty Nasty Netherlands was uh, another area that it did really well in. Just that's wow. just nasty people in the Netherlands and the music they listen to. Okay, um, but it was all yeah. over. It really was. We really just aimed. We were all eyes on. We we're all all eyes, all all everything on deck for Netherlands for that for that oh. year. Wow. Do, so do you have, um, I'd love to hear like the chorus if you have it. Absolutely. Um, how did it go? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> we just got back from out of town. Can't wait to show you my man mound. Get up or get down. Where you lost is where it'll be found. Well, it's at the store today. Happy to do it my way. Happy to be here where I am and not in the San Francisco Bay. Matter how cute it looked at my booty. Asked if they could see my tutti fruity. Next thing I know, we're leaving the town and they're mashing their face into my man mouth. Man mouth, man mouth. Wow. So that was the chorus? (laughs) Yeah, that was the chorus of the song. Wow. I I can only imagine how that fucking turned yeah we yeah that whole man mound era there's a whole documentary series that criterion we've been in talks with them for a while and if they're willing to play ball and offer me what i know it's worth then i would love to put out the documentary that all the footage um of what we were really doing um in the studio when we were really like when we were working on that um what but there was a lot of really good stuff what year was this flying around because it sort of sounded like a 92 93 thing it was a little bit it was right after it was right after what it sounds like it was um i was working on this kennison kennison was in the studio um kennison like sam kennison yeah the the, comedian um sam kennison and richard lewis were both uh really (laughs) really big assists on that one and like helping me just sort of figure out we all knew the story was sexy we all knew it was interesting but Okay. I called in some heavy, some heavy hitters. Um, <laughs> to work on all it. comedians. As no, Lisa Stansfield was there too. She did a lot of oh, cooing, okay. the background cooing on that one. I helped her out with some stuff too, and then she, oh. she'd been all over. I mean, she'd been around the world, but she, but she made it to the studio mm-hmm. for that recording session, and I'll never, I'll never be able to completely uh, say thank you to her. Martha Wash came through. Um, and oh, she wow. laid down some yeah i'm a better singer than her so she she did some of the lighter work um but i, I held okay. some of the bigger the more um the high notes and stuff like that i did all that stuff sure 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 sure, sure 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 so i was the best right, right. that's probably that, that sounds completely accurate and believable and um god what an exciting time for you it's it's nice to have you here with us you know i'm glad you had that journey but now you've circled back and you're looking to settle down and now i am for our podcast i am Mm -hmm. my legacy is firmly as patty labelle told me when i saw her Mm -hmm. for the holidays she said your legacy is firmly cemented it was really funny Uh because she she's still still working on hers though right 
Yeah, she is. She's yeah. caught up with those pies right now. And I told her, yeah. you got to get out of that kitchen and get back in the studio, girl. Because she said to me, she was like, how did you do it? Like, how did you secure mm-hmm. the kind of like celebrity and the kind of icon status? And I was like, honestly, right now, it's the kids that are discovering my music. And it started out kind yeah. of ironic, but it's gotten it's gotten it's more than that, because I think what they've uncovered is Rolling Stone put it when they mm-hmm. released their. Uh, I think it was the hundred greatest vocalists of the of the twentieth of the twenty first century when they released that list recently. What they got to was, um, just my envelope pushing vocals and me doing things that most people would be ashamed to do vocally in the studio. Um, speaking speaking of um, comedians from the nineties, oh. we have Dennis Miller in this. Unfortunately, we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do. I can't think of a person I enjoy seeing less. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Miller, famously in, not famously, sometimes in movies in the 90s and often unwanted. <laughs> um, but he does bring his own delectable brand of smarm. So uh, shout out. And, you know, we don't have to hear his political stances, although Crichtons are all through this movie. Yeah, it's real. It's just giving the white male victim that like. Oh no! It's all it's all like white male uh, white male martyrdom. I, I was gonna bring up really quickly. So this movie, we're actually yeah. we just because you know we're all getting older. We just passed the 29th anniversary of um, of disclo- uh, No, I'm sorry, 28. My bad. We just passed the 28th okay. year anniversary of disclosure. <laughs> that one year makes a difference. Um, yeah. <laughs> the movie was made on a budget of 55 milli and it made 214 mm-hmm. million at the box office. So, wow. So they were clamoring for it, baby. They were ready. The, the dolls were ready. So, um, yeah, we all, we all wanted to see how, how sexy they were going to, they were, they were willing to get in this movie. And what we actually discovered was that not actually that sexy at all. It's really funny because this is a movie that is about sex, but there actually isn't that much sex in it. And I was like, I, for some reason, I thought there was going to be way more. And then I was like, well, there's like none. Brandon, as they say in the movie, sexual harassment isn't about sex. It's about It's about power. power. Okay. And one of the lines that made me fucking cringe is when he's arguing with his wife after she like found out everything. They're coming home together on the ferry, and they get back home and they're having this argument about everything. And he goes, "Sexual harassment is about power. When did I have the power? When?" It was like it's like built in, like like it's <laughs> based on who you are. <laughs> like I will. Okay. So I will, so I will give you that. Like, and obviously this movie is it's trigger warning. This movie does deal with sexual assault. Um, mm-hmm. So it is worth mentioning and we are not making light of sexual assault or like, you know, not at all. Not at all. Any, any of that. I mean, we're just making fun of this movie. Um, but and I also want to follow that up with saying we are not at all making fun of the fact that their sexual harassment against men exists because it absolutely does and it is not handled well. Um, and this is you know another scenario where like it, it, the nuance in this movie is what is all difficult to swallow it's like obviously we believe people when they're being sexually harassed and it happens to both men women non-binary people everybody and you know the 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 frustrating thing about this movie for me was like of course in 1994 we're gonna make a movie about a woman who lies about being sexually assaulted 
and like oh oh for sure and also i thought it was funny that so many people were like like i like I get what I get what what they were trying to say with or what the Michael Douglas character of Tom was trying to say, which is like totally. I'm I I was I am in a position. This person is in a higher position of power than me. Like, in what world am I going to be attempting to like force my boss, who has the potential to like fire me, like into? Right. But obviously, it's complicated by later on. One of the things that. I got so many things I want to talk about this movie. One of the things that was one of the first things <laughs> I know that you're I not ne- finishing your sentences. What did you? What were you just judge me? Say? Judge me. <laughs> well, no. What I was going to say was like I get what they were getting at with the Michael Douglas character and what they were trying to get at, which is that like a woman in a position of power can abuse that power. Totally. Like, one one hundred percent. I think that like one of the big things <laughs> that I didn't understand about this movie before or pay attention to, I guess I should say, was the fact that like this is a huge plot point. But like the fact that like they had a full on relationship. It wasn't just like I always thought in my mind that like Meredith and the, the Meredith and the Tom characters at the beginning of this movie, the very first scene of this movie is sort of like this anticipation that like Tom has about moving up from like he's a mid-level exec, he works on the production end of like these like in the CD-ROM division and he is expecting to be made head of like the Digicom like CD-ROM division he's in head this of, he's production head of manufacturing. It's it's he's head of manufacturing for a company that it's it's a tech company that does many things and the things he's overseeing is the is this mm. is this product called Arcan or Arcom or something Arcamax yeah Arcamax and it's basically like a CD-ROM drive which is detached from the computer so you can like hook it up to different computers. That's my understanding of it. I think that And was so it's like well. the device itself like it's like basically a portable CD-ROM player which is fucking hilarious as a product because it's totally like well, 100% as, totally like not useful. <laughs> as Dave mentioned, like they're really hit they're hitching everything to CD-ROMs. Like that's what that's all that they are prepared to go whole hog on is like CD-ROMs. Like that's what everything is about is CD-ROMs in this movie. Um and like Tom's expected to be made, you know, it, to be made you know, master of CD-ROMs, and and like it becomes I, VP he, of, of I think the the whole the the product itself. Right it now, is, he's just head of. It is for, unclear because at times they right. say is he's going to be like the head of like the CD-ROM division, like, and then at other times oh, they uh, say VP. So it was confusing to me, and I read multiple things as well. So mm-hmm. it seemed to like, so I assuming that they're one and the same then to become the VP would then make you like the like de facto like head of like CD-ROMs and like the production my end of things. My experience of this, like my experience just watching this is like, it's a bunch of like actors and producers talking about businessy stuff that they don't really know about. Oh, for sure. And, and probably like a couple of writers. Throwing out words. Probably yeah. a couple of writers not checking each other's work and just throwing it yeah. together and it all just ended up in the wash. <laughs> All came out in the wash, and this is what we got. But yeah, she's got Demi Moore's character, Meredith. She works for another office, like another office, Digicom. She's office. in the 
operations department of Digicom. She's in the operations department, and they're essentially bringing her over from operations to make her the head. And one of Tom's key, like, sort of, like, gripes about this is the fact that she doesn't actually know anything about the thing. The, which is... The product I mean, they're manufacturing. Which is part of the course in business as well, by the way. Um, 100%. Like, she doesn't know anything about what's going on. And, like, so this is where everything sort of, like, starts is Tom's frustration and then the realization. But in the beginning of the movie, even <gasps> well, still... also the fact that he's passed over for the job. Oh, That's he's passed over yeah. and it's her. And, like, so it's all of these things. And he feels... And he knows her clearly and he knows that this isn't her background. So it's, like... A lot of reasons. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. one of the things that's really clear from, like, early on in this movie is it's, like, Donald Sutherland plays Bob Garkin. Donald Sutherland, you know, iconic actor. Bob Garvin. Garvin. Um, Garvin, yeah. Garvin. What did I say? Garkin. Like, some form of gherkin. Okay. The names you come up with and just so confidently say... Mr. Garkin before. <laughs> God, you won't start harping about my Garkin. Um, he's Bob Garvin. And then, like, I guess Dylan Baker plays, like, I think Dylan Baker plays a character of, Jane would love this, Philip Blackburn. Um, Which, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I'm going to expose myself <laughs> emotionally here. Um, Blackburn is my middle name and my mom's maiden name. So, <laughs> so there's Phil's maybe- family. Phil, Phil's family. Um, but he's like the lawyer, I think, for like the company. Um, and he's- the thing that is confusing about his role is that he's the one handling this like sexual harassment like complaint. And it's like, you're not HR. Like, who are you? Like, where is the HR department? Yeah, there doesn't appear to be one. Uh, it, it just appears like he sort of does whatever Mr. Garvin asks him to do. So like he's handling this. And like from the outset, like we see that like, Tom is not valued. Like one of the first conversations after Phil sort of breaks the news before Tom, before the whole company finds out, um, before the whole company finds out, one of yeah, he's just yeah, as Dave just chimed in, he's yeah, he's like the company's legal counsel or head of the company's okay. legal counsel. But as you know, he finds out, he's the one who breaks the news to Tom that like he's not getting the job basically. And then like Bob Garvin is like, there's a scene where Garvin's on the phone with him and he's like, did you let him know? And it's basically Garvin letting you know he doesn't respect Tom. And he's also, he almost, and then he's like, yeah, Tom took the news, fine. And it's like, he's almost, like, disgusted with Tom for being okay with it. It's like, it's like he wants Tom to have more bite. The thing about all of this, the whole movie, like, I am so fucking confused about what anybody's motive is to get Tom. Everybody, that's the thing, is there clear, there's clearly, what's once again feeds into... You know, the, 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 what white men have been saying for years that, you know, people mm-hmm. are out to get them. Although in this exactly. case, it's other white men. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is like. But with a is, quick rewrite, it could be every white man today being like, you know, immigrants are out to get me. <laughs> Everybody's out to get me. Um, but yeah, it's really unclear and it seems like they don't really know. And it, it seems there, cause there's several points in this movie where they're having these big meetings and they're talking about technology, but it is clear that nobody really knows what they're talking about because mm-hmm. the meetings end and you're like, what was just discussed? Nothing. Like, it's just a lot of words. It really is just a lot of words and a lot of technological, like, jargon that, like, 
nobody seems to really have a grasp of because it's like people are angry and frustrated about things not being where they're supposed to be but like we're not really taking time to figure out why anything isn't isn't where it's supposed to be these memes are just these memes are just to demonstrate like power and like and like air out frustrations and so this is this is why i love movies about technology from the 90s because they don't expect any of us to like know what they're talking about because this stuff was so niche in 94 and now as we develop we were so much more of a technical world and technology is the forefront of everything we do i work at a tech company like so many people i know work at tech companies so like they have there's pieces of truth with like the technology that they're talking about but it doesn't connect and so they don't expect like people watching like the regular joe watching this to like be able to figure that out but now that we're watching it in 2023 like (laughs) we know what you're saying is mostly bullshit which is weirdly satisfying and also very very hilarious it's also like we get this scene in the very beginning of the movie where we are introduced to like Tom and his wife Susan and like mm-hmm. she's like kind of supportive but she also is like they of course a nag they like, they make her like she's like she's like nothing's ever enough for her and it's like mm-hmm. she's like asking Tom to do these tasks like as they're leaving the house that he can't complete because he literally is taking a ferry to work right now so it's like I'm not going to be on the on, on the land to do right. that. And she's so frustrated, even though she also knows that this is the day that Tom's supposed to hear about, like, whether or not he's gotten this job. And I mean, and it's a foregone conclusion at this point that he has it. So it's, like, really funny. Like, she, like... He literally it- turns to her in the car at one point and says, we're gonna be rich, Susan. <laughs> and I was like, girl, give it a minute. Because <laughs> no, something wait, tells yeah, me... Let's watch the ink dries. Let's not make any big purchases until you hear the words. Also, he's wearing a necktie and he gets toothpaste on it. And she goes, oh, the first day you're wearing a necktie and it's smudged with toothpaste. She's like, she's just so disgusted. And then she says to him, he's like, oh, I have to meet with like one of my employees. And she goes, oh, you're the only person I know who sucks up to people below you. There's so much contempt. <laughs> I didn't even clock that. That's for his wife? Yeah, she says that when they're getting Oh my the God. That's it's fucking just, insane. It's, <laughs> like, it's a, it is... Uh, why are you is why is. is she so like she's like very pro hierarchy in the workplace i guess yeah she's over especially as a as a woman that's like surprising because women always get like looked over and she we find out later she's a lawyer so it's like women always get like the shit under the stick in the workplace so it's like you'd think like oh <clears throat> because i'm a woman in the workplace in the 90s like my philosophy on treating people the same at work is like you know, <clears throat> would make sense, the most sense. But she's like, ugh, don't talk to your underlings. <laughs> also, or like, like, don't like inconvenience yourself to convenience them. And there's also right. like, there's also this moment when he gets on, when he gets on the ferry where he meets this guy who like his only, I guess he just represents like the dying dream of white male America. He's mm-hmm. like, he's lost his job. And he's talking mm-hmm. to Tom on the ferry and he says, um, he said, and he says, like, oh, girls used to want a date, now they want a job. And it's like, sure, we're foreshadowing, like, the messy politics that are going to be displayed in the rest of this movie. Uh, I know. Yeah, so that was... Uh, 
And he's so, he's also, he's like, I worked at IBM for 30 years or something like that. Now I'm out of my ass with like no job or whatever. And all the while he's complaining about all of this shit. Um, Tom's on a phone call on his cell phone. He's being so rude. He like continues to talk to Tom while he's like on the phone and trying to like call his assistant. And it's like, can you read the room guy? Like stop talking. Like I understand life is hard, but shut up. Yeah. Well, this isn't the moment. And then Tom throws yeah. a business card at him and he's like, yeah, maybe I'll be able to help you find a job. Even though we know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> and then also when Tom finally meets Demi Moore, in this movie, she says mm. to him, what's the matter, Sanders? That's how you greet a rat. <laughs> a rat? Yeah. Oh my God. She's it's so like- sexy dialogue. It's like, it's so stupid. And like her whole character is just like, every word she says is supposed to be like dripping with sexual innuendo. And it's giving like, oh, one of the boys vibes because she's like the only like woman female executive like in the room and she's like trying to keep up and so like saying all these weirdly sexual things and like all these like obnoxious euphemisms and you just like don't like she's just fundamentally unlikable and in like not a human because this isn't how human beings like talk no, she's like the idea. She's like the idea yeah. of a person. It's Demi Moore, who's absolutely drop dead gorgeous, and 100%. she looks amazing. She's got her, she's got her nineteen nineties fantasy hair. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is layered, baby, and it is um, the characters flowing. Not. Yeah, <laughs> so fucking true. <laughs> uh, also worth noting, age wise. So like Donald Sutherland is you know given full on you know daddy tease. He's sixty in this. Michael Douglas oh is, God. 50, is 50, and Demi Moore is 32. So, which also yeah. f- troubles any narratives that they're trying to that they're trying to put forward about like this relationship that he had with her 10 years earlier. Unless we're supposed to, I do know the character was originally supposed to be played by Annette Bening, and apparently, uh, and just so we're clear, there have been like four or five movie facts that I've seen that were like Annette Bening was supposed to play this role, but she got pregnant. On different movies. So it's really interesting. It seems like this period was like full of movies that were supposed to be played by roles are supposed to be played by Annette Benning, the nineties, but I guess Warren was doing the damn thing. I don't know. But she mm-hmm. she was in the family way and thus mm. unavailable. And Warren said, not on my watch, baby. Mm-mm, mm-mm. My my pregnant wife isn't gonna be isn't gonna be wearing a push up bra and getting ogled by, by Mikey D. Not on my watch, not again. <laughs> Um, so allegedly, so yeah, so these are like, these numbers are really funny. Also, we have one thing I want to talk about is the phenomenon that is like Michael Douglas as like an irresistible, like sex magnet for women in the 80s and the 90s. My whole through line where it's like, why is everyone absolutely fucking gagging for Michael Douglas? I really would like someone to fucking explain it to me. I would love to know. I've never understood, like, I, uh, Michael Douglas is a fine actor, but I've never gotten the sex appeal, appeal thing. And it's interesting that, like, there are so many films from this period where it's just, like, him? Like, because these well, women so are willing to There's so many films from this period that it's, like, I have to have Michael Douglas or I will die. No, I have to have Michael Douglas and I am willing to sacrifice everything. My job, mm-hmm. my career, my family, my standing in society. I need to run my fingers through that mullet. And these... Oh my god, his mullet is iconic in this movie. His, it's mu- like, his mullet is iconic. I'm not that I'm not gonna lie about. It's it's so good. It's like it full is... on 
business mullet because it's very well kept and it's not necessarily the difference between the front and the back lengths isn't huge but it's there baby it's there oh, wait, and, and it's, it's giving feathered. baby it's business mullet yeah it's it's i mean he must have had to spray the shit out of that every morning especially riding that ferry it is yeah it's it's really amazing and after he has sex with that gay guy that jane just mentioned um he actually ends up <laughs> going home to his wife. I'm sorry, I couldn't read this. Um, yeah, I, was, I set you up for that. Also, like, there's, like, the weird moment at the beginning of the movie where, like, Donald Sutherland's character is like, if my daughter had lived, if my daughter had lived, then she would have then she would have been here to run this company. And it's like, I, we get it. But it's like, he also, he says that as he's, like, introducing, um, as he's introducing Meredith. And it's like, just, like, if you hire her, hire her based on her merits, not on, like you trying to like invoke your daughter's memory like it's just like it's weird he keeps bringing up his dead daughter and it's like i'm sorry but you know let's... to be honest i totally forgot about the dead daughter like oh, I, I she didn't even play into it for me i just like it rolled off my rolled off my back like water off a duck like i just didn't clock that that's what he was trying to do he did say several times like during speeches about hiring um Demi Moore for, or sorry, what's the character's name again? Meredith. Meredith Johnson. Meredith. Hiring Meredith, he he wanted to break the glass ceiling, which I kept getting annoyed with because it's like, um, men can't fucking break the glass ceiling. This is not you breaking the glass ceiling. It's like, women famously have to put in the work to break the glass ceiling. Like, it's just another example of, like, fucking men usurping that, like, from anything from women in the workplace. It's like, you really think you're breaking the glass ceiling? It fucking bothered the shit out of me. And he said it, like, once or twice in this movie. Like, I wanted to break the glass ceiling. Shut the fuck up, Donald Sutherland. I'm sorry. And after after Bob uh, effectively breaks the glass ceiling... Um, in this movie, by he does it, Jane. He does it, he and as a man, let it. me let me mansplain to you why he does it. Okay, <laughs> high-powered men with thick heads of silver hair—they um, mm. have a power. They have a power, and they have an audacity. And no, mm. um, no, but he does. And this is also one of the first speeches where he talks about what this company does, and it's completely unclear what it is. And <laughs> I said to Dave, what are they selling? And Dave was like, the metaverse? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's unclear. That's so funny! Tara said the exact same thing! <laughs> she goes, I guess this is a fucking metaverse? I don't know. And yeah, I was like, oh, I guess, promise. kind of. Yeah, they're selling the promise of this different, like, virtual world. But, like, they don't even fully seem to understand what it is. But they're really excited about it, and they speak with authority. So everybody just sort of claps and is like, this is where my bread's buttered. So, sure, we'll rally around you, as long as those checks Absolutely. are every month. Um, but, yeah, so it's really weird. And also, then we have, like, the first sort of scene where Meredith calls Tom into her office, and she wants to talk to him a little bit, just have a little bull sesh, so to speak about what's going on, uh, you know, at the company. Um, and during this scene, Mare asks him to give her uh, a light massage. Rub well, she, is, this is also, by the way, the timing on this is so weird because it comes up later in their, like, court mediation. Deposition, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, so she's like, come up to my office at 7 for a meeting. And, like, in my mind, that means he's going to be home super late. Because, like, he's got to, like, get Take to the... Ferry. I don't know how... Yeah, like, who knows how often the ferry runs, especially as it gets later, probably runs less often. So, like, he... 
there was a whole thing about him like calling his wife to be late and being the the her lawyer being like well why were you expecting to be late were you lying blah 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 and it was like even if the whole sex thing hadn't happened during this meeting like he had the meeting started at 7 p.m that is late to get home like you're not getting home till at least you know eight o'clock if that meeting is only 30 minutes not even you know no you're not getting home yeah i would imagine like nine yeah exactly so that bothered me because i felt like it was an inconsistency in the story but anyways so they're having this meeting and she's like bring she's like let's have a glass of wine and like meet in my office at seven and he comes in the office and she he shows photos of his family she's unimpressed as is he apparently um (laughs) she says do you know what she fucking says she says so many rude things about his wife and what does she say i wrote it down um she says uh uh let's see um she looks like she always has food in the refrigerator and i'm like you fucking bitch I mean, first of all, the actor who plays her is like a very thin woman, <laughs> so it's like that's so funny because I didn't interpret that line to mean that. I interpreted it to mean what I interpreted it to mean, and I could be wrong completely. This is a very complicated script, um, but <laughs> but I thought that what she meant was like she takes care of like the mundane and like the sort of menial tasks. Like I'm sure like she's always got like you know a meal on the stove and like you know you can count on her for basically the trivial and the boring things to always be there. Like, well, that's what she says. So that's what she says when he starts to be like, well, you know, she still hasn't lost some of the baby weight, but and she's like, oh, no, no, no. I meant that, you know, she's always taking care of you. She makes a lovely home. That's what she well, it does says two things. to save it. But it's not what she means. She no. means like your wife is chubby, which is insa- insanity. Which is wild because this woman is super thin. Not that it matters, but it's just like such a like exactly. weird dig. Um, yeah. Also, it's like Demi Moore. You don't have to like punch down. Like, <laughs> like you're literally one of the most beautiful women in the world. Like, you don't need to talk about the. It's just it's, it's so unnecessary. It's like, what are you, you reminding him of? She's like, I bet the sex is right. too, huh? Um, but yeah, he's also just like feeding into it as well in a way that like doesn't really make sense. Like, he's sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's, I know. She which, looks, if someone really said that's to anything horrible about my wife i would be like you better fucking check yourself like well not I, I, would get why, I would get why he wouldn't necessarily like do that because she's also like the new boss but like that's true yeah but i do but i do feel like there's a way to not like add any more any more like kindling <laughs> i mean like yeah 100%. yeah you don't have to like you don't have to give anything but it's like it's enough for her and then like he get he has he call, he's like i'm gonna call i'm gonna make a quick phone call and he sort of goes, because the office is not completed yet. There's, like, this weird area in the office that's, like, still being renovated. So, like, it's behind, yeah. like, some clear, like, tarps. And he goes it around. It reminded the- me of the temp when, like, remember there was, like, some scene in, like, a dark office with, like, tarps. And yep, stuff y'all like go that. back and listen to the temp. It was also in, it was also right in the mid-90s. There was a lot of renovations happening, apparently, in the Seattle yeah. area. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but, like, she comes up behind him, and then, like, the one sexual scene, which I forget how early it happens in the movie, and then the rest of the movie is just discussing it. But it's, mm-hmm. like, the sexual scene where she comes up behind him, and she starts going after his crotch and trying to get his pants off, and um, he's saying no. He just keeps saying no over and over again. Over and over again. And I remember, like, okay, so I didn't, obviously didn't know what I was walking into in this movie, and I was just 
I was appalled that someone who repeatedly is saying no to someone and like seeing someone continue to go, first of all, that's someone is telling you you don't have consent to do this, which is the very first problem. Second of all, I just thought about being her and experiencing someone saying no to me repeatedly to my sexual advances. And now I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> like, you, it, and then it, live it, in that uncomfortable fucking moment afterwards. It would break my confidence so badly. <laughs> and again, I am not making light of consent. It's just something that I that popped into my head at the moment where if someone said no to me like that, first of all, I would never be in that position for a number of reasons. But that was one of the thoughts that I had that was like, ooh, embarrassing. <laughs> but it's Demi Moore and she looks like Demi Moore so there's nothing to be embarrassed about yeah, ever. So, and, and clearly what I feel like they're getting at too is that she's not a woman who's who's ever heard no. Right, And exactly. so she's going after it and like it's this back and forth with the two of them. He was trying, he was in the middle of trying to make a call to like one of his like employees when all of this happens and like she takes his phone from him and like it continues that the whole act continues to take place and then there's a point where like there's this sort of switch almost in him it appears that at one point she is fellating him and yeah he's still she saying, does put his penis in her mouth and, she, and he's still saying no and he's still saying no and then there's a moment where he sort of like grabs her and he's like you know fine like if you want it i'll give it to you and she's like yes and like he throws her on this like work work table or whatever and then he catches his glimpse of his reflection behind her in like a glass window. And he this stops. This is also himself. not before ripping off her underwear. He rips off her underwear, which she's And into. not like rips it off, he like rips it into pieces off of her body. I just... always wonder I've never experienced a scenario in which somebody's ripped a piece of my clothing in a like a, in a sexual like manner. But mm -hmm. there's nothing less sexy to me than the idea of somebody ripping a perfectly good Oxford from my body. Like, oh, Jane's face tells me that she has experienced it and she's here for it. No, I, I <laughs> this is, I will say, okay, mom, dad, if you are listening, please stop. I have experienced, I'm not going to get into details. I have experienced someone ripping something and it, it pulled me so far out of it because I was so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all that I will say. I It was something that I liked to wear. And it, whatever. Oh, my God. We have to edit this out. My parents are going to hear this. And my family. We have to edit this out completely. Well, it's it's actually completely <laughs> fine. And you literally said nothing other than okay. I don't. Other, all you said was it happened to me and I didn't like it. So I, I don't want people to rip my clothing. I feel That's how I feel. I feel like I would be like, <laughs> no. Like, I don't. Like, that would pull me out of it if somebody ripped, like, a perfectly good pair of, like, all I would be thinking is, like. Honestly, it made me not like them at all. It fully turned me against them. <laughs> okay. Cut, edit, who, you know, you have to tell me who it was. Um, and so it all like starts up and then all of a sudden he just stops it. But in order to stop it, he actually has to physically grab her and he's, he grabs her. He says, no, he's been saying no this entire time. And then he gives into it momentarily. And then he says, and then he gives into it momentarily. And then he says, no. And then he grabs her and sort of like, they like pins her physically against the wall. fight. Like they like I mean, hit it's each intense. other. Yeah. But it's also like a really uncomfortable moment because it's kind of like there's 
I don't know how else to like. I, I don't know how else it could have been ended, like other than him, because like, she's on top of him, like yeah. she's not listening, and it's like it's a really like weird moment for many reasons. But that yeah, is she's one of essentially them. Essentially, like moving I mean, forward about his consent. She's, she's sexually, she's she's sexually, sexually assaulting, assaulting him. him. Yeah, and, and it's he, really and, bad. <laughs> and he gets her off of him, and then he gets out of there, and then she runs into there. And like, first of all, it's only seven, so it's like this is like a fully lit building. I get that work that the workday typically ends at five, but at a firm like this, it is not out of the realm of possibility that there would be many people still like 100%. getting ready to leave work, finishing up for the day, maybe like a, a telephone meeting, you know, with Tokyo went longer than you expected. Like there's a lot of scenarios in which like this isn't an empty office space. And she runs Absolutely. out. Those tickle bitties are out. And <laughs> gorgeous bra. Gorgeous bra. I'm sure it's I mean, she looks exquisite. She looks she looks amazing. Demi mm-hmm. Moore was just that girl. Like she I still mean, is. She, but I mean, absolutely. she really was like just like she was she, a city girl. She was 100%. a bad girl. And mm-hmm. she's living her full this is like like Demi Moore, 1990s Demi Moore is just like it's just peak. It's a mood. It really is. It really is a vibe. Like Demi Moore with that shoulder-length brown hair is just like, she's not getting her foot off of anybody's throat. And she looks (laughs) incredible. And it is very 90s and it makes me, it like, it just, it it, it makes me nostalgic. Like, seeing her just like, doing what she does and being pretty fabulous. Do you think it would be in bad taste for a Halloween costume to dress as her with like, a bit, but like dresses her in this character with like a like her like you know sort of disheveled like a sexy like no like that moment no because okay. I think it's all in like intent and I don't think I think that you playing her as a hol- it's actually it's, it's actually a really good Halloween costume idea. <laughs> I know I was like I it's not for me but if any of the girlies or the boys want to do it please do it it's really fucking funny. I mean, it, you have to wait an entire year, but... And it also gives us one... No, baby, you only have to wait nine months. <laughs> it also gives <laughs> us... It also gives us one of the most iconic lines from the movie, which is, you put your dick in my mouth, and then you suddenly get... And you, God damn it, what is the line? I wrote you it down. You put your dick in my mouth, and you suddenly have an... And you suddenly have... God damn it. An attack of morality. Yeah. You put your dick in my mouth, and you all of a sudden have an attack of morality. It's so good. It's, <laughs> like, I would revel in the opportunity to say that to someone. I obviously <laughs> the context would have to be very different, but it's just a really, really good line. Also, as he's running out of the room, I don't know how Demi Moore said some of these lines. Once again, not making fun of the act <laughs> of sexual assault, but some of these lines are so wild. As he's running out of the room, she says, "You get back here and you finish what you started, or you're fucking dead." <laughs> um, there is something okay again this is not making fun of the act of sexual assault this is making fun of the script and there is something that i find to be so hilarious about someone getting comically like furious about not being able to have sex and i guess like obviously that happens in the real world and that's not funny it's not okay and it's like a totally unsafe moment but it happens a lot in movies and it's handled like not well and like not with the care that it needs to when you're doing a scene about sexual assault and it comes off as so fucking funny and I was laughing when she was like you finish when you started god damn it like this hungry like cock monster 
it was like a really like it's a really wild moment and then when she like runs out of the office her breasts are her breasts are just out on display and there's like a cleaning lady who like sees her and she kind of like she slithers back into her office and it's just like you are an executive what are you doing girl like right back in that office and button up that button up that vest because that, that you are what are they called that sleeveless business suit yeah your power suit yeah but when they have no sleeves though what's it called a sleeveless power a, suit i guess yeah okay I'll i don't know it. if there's sleeveless. a real name you know what i'm talking it. about though yeah i can it sounds I, like the I, name of a like a rock band like a femme like alt like rock band like sleeveless power suit um <laughs> oh actual sleeveless power suit okay i thought you were saying the name that you couldn't think of what it was sounds no. like that but yeah <laughs> but that scene was really funny. And then it's followed up by Tom hopping on that And it's and... not supposed to be. No, it's not. <laughs> Look, okay, we can't apologize the rest of this movie. Okay, we apologize. No, we, we... you guys, you understand. You know. And we hope you know that we are never on the side of the assaulter. No, but we're, we also can't qualify everything that we're saying for the rest of the episodes. We hope that you understand <laughs> that, like, we know that the act of sexual assault in, like, workplace it's... politics such as these, like, it is not funny at all we know that but but there's a lot of funny shit in this movie so (laughs) after this scene he gets on the ferry and he's like flustered and he's (laughs) heading home and then he gets home and he does that thing which like which which, it's not an affair it's like an assault that happened but like he does the thing where he runs the shower and his wife is so perplexed that he's like he hops right in the shower because he wants to wash it all off of him and actually she doesn't seem she doesn't seem perturbed or confused at all that he hops in the shower. Well, also he runs into the bedroom and then he says, and and then he says, uh, "Give me a beer." And it's like you literally just walked by the kitchen, baby boy. You had to walk by the kitchen to get up here. You also, grab the Modelo on your way up. Exactly. Um, well, he's yeah, he's he's left all his pleasings at the office. <laughs> he has the that was not in good taste, but it fucking made me laugh. Okay. <laughs> In the shower, we see he has these like scratches these on his Wolverine chest. Scratches on I his literally chest. was just about to say they look like Wolverine scratches. They're so poorly well, like put they're on. Really, yeah, they look like he was like in the middle of like turning into like Catman. <laughs> Catman? Who's Catman? Like, Cat like Catwoman's friend. Is that a real character in the Marvel no. universe? No. Oh, you just also made it up. well. I don't think any of it has anything with Marvel, does it? Oh, is that DC? Oh, God. When I tell you, you know. I don't know these things. I'm sorry. Dave is I'm... about to have a fit in there. And he's about to like, fucking lose his mind. I'm sorry. I didn't grow up reading any comics. I do not know the difference between Marvel and DC. I know the characters. Why? You know, I don't know. Why okay. Why isn't there a Catman or like a Ratman or something? I feel like <laughs> I'm a missed opportunity. Ratman. I, I don't why? know. <laughs> Wait, Catwoman is DC? Yeah, because it's uh, that's what I said. I said DC, so don't come at me, listeners. Yeah, so he's got these scratches that look like Selena put them on them on him. Basically, <laughs> is what we're getting at. And then he's like, and then he gets in the he gets in the Wait, bathroom. Who's Selena? Like the singer? Name. No. <gasps> oh, <laughs> like como la flor. Selena Kyle. Yes. Selena Kyle is what I was thinking of. I was like, what does Selena have to do with Not legendary vocalist and Tejano singer, R.I.P. Selena Quintanilla. 
we, uh, we love, love you. you. Um, but yeah, it's just like he's got these marks, and then he says, and then he tells his wife what happened at the office. He he doesn't, which is first mistake, obviously. He doesn't divulge to his wife any of what happened, and he doesn't even tell his wife that his new boss is a former flame. He, it's just he, so interesting have being married and uh, like just i can't imagine having that day and not coming home and absolutely fucking unloading onto tara every single detail of what happened because it's a lot and he doesn't tell yeah. he her barely anything <laughs> he and doesn't tell I, her a single thing he just says scene, i don't get the promotion i would and i would posit that like I would posit that in a world where the seven o'clock meeting didn't happen, he would have come home and he probably would have divulged to his wife his previous relationship with mm-hmm. this person who is now his boss. But I think given like trying to make sense of everything that happened, because it was a lot, I think he's still in the middle of processing it. But I think he like, I don't understand just because of the implications and the fact that as you left the office, first of all, it got violent. And then as you left the office, she screamed, you're fucking dead. Like for those reasons, I'd be like, we got to talk. We got to talk about a lot of things. Because it's like, you didn't know that like, you didn't know that this was happening. You didn't know that your former girlfriend was going to be your boss. Of course and not. One of and the it makes that- him look guiltier because he didn't well, tell her until later. It- yeah, it does. It makes him look guiltier, and he's covering up the scars by put the way he puts clothes on over himself. Like, there's clearly like there's work being done to cover like aspects of this. And his wife also is like, "Quit your job." She's like, "Quit your job, and I'll go back to work." Like that doesn't require so many moving pieces. And it's right. just like she says it with such ease, and it's like even if that's our long plan for maybe like six months or something, like. It's, I mean, I can't do that tomorrow, and you know I can't. So, like, like, do you have a job offer on the table? Wh- like, like, what's wh- going on? Because, it feels and I know irrational. she's a lawyer. Lawyers are highly paid. That's great. For sure. but he, but he doesn't even go down that down the route of like, you know, you don't have anything set up, and I can't just leave my job. He's like, I can provide for this family, and it's like that fucking misogyny, just like dick swinging about how like, oh, my wife can't make money for can't you know financially provide for this family. It's God be me he really he makes a whole speech about her awful haircut and how he thinks that's the reason why she won't be able to help out the family it was really in poor taste um <laughs> he does and then and then he has this dream about bob garkin giving mm. him uh what why do you mouth. keep calling him bob garkin sorry garvin sorry bob garvin I don't know why. I don't know why that's in my I've head. never... There's he no Garkin this... that I know of. Like, I don't know You're going to meet a Garkin tomorrow. You're going to meet a Garkin tomorrow. I he has so. a dream about Bob Garvin and him making out. It's like a nightmare. And, like, it's all about, like... Now he's having these nightmares about people in positions of power, like, having to have a little piece of that <laughs> mullet for themselves. And he wakes up, and he's, like, screaming. And it doesn't wake up his <laughs> wife, though, somehow. She sleeps through it. So he must have these all the time, these night terrors. He's this scream when he's coming out of the dream is fucking comical. It's so stupid. (laughs) And then there's the big meeting. And so he's late for the meeting. The meeting was supposed to be at, I believe, 8.30. And the meeting got pushed to 7.30. And The meeting... So what happened was, is when he got home, his wife said, Hey, who's Meredith Johnson? And he was like, what? I don't know. Why? Why? And she's like, she called and said... She didn't have my penis in her mouth. She didn't, have my, she didn't just, I didn't just hours ago have my penis in her mouth. I can't imagine who you're talking about. He gets a call. She gets a call and she relays the message. She said, hey, Meredith called and she said the moving, the meeting was moved from eight 
to 8.30. And then when he gets to the office at around 8.20, the meeting is already well underway. And he realizes the meeting has not been moved from 8 to 8.30. It was moved from 8 to 7.30. So she's, like, fucking with him and trying to destroy him. Which is always a wild move also. Like, just moving a meeting 30 minutes earlier always feels, like, a little crazy. Exactly. Especially late at night the night before meeting. Like, people got to travel to get there. Yeah, it's too much. Um, Especially pre-cell phones. But... Not pre-cell phones, but, like, the beginning of cell phones. Where like Yeah, not people didn't them. have cell phones, you know? But he shows up for the meeting, and it's and it's already underway. And then his boss is and his boss does the thing that people do in movies that if somebody ever did in real life, you'd rip their fucking face off. Absolutely. Which is he turns around and he goes, oh, nice of you to join us. <laughs> um, it's like, it's nobody's like, ever said that to me when I've been late for anything in my entire life. Because it's so, it's not even passive aggressive. It's aggressive. <laughs> um... And also, like, this is, like, the beginning of all of this happens, and then he goes to a meeting that they're having, and he is completely ill-equipped for the meeting. And one of the big things that came out of his meeting with Meredith before the sexual assault is that while they were talking and looking at photos, he was explaining to her that there was an issue in the production line. There's, like, one of the parts is not functioning consistently the way that it needs to, and it's been, and that's one of the big problems. And she says, just lie to them. Just, when we have the meeting tomorrow, because he's like, what am I supposed to say about this now that she's the head of production? And she says, just lie to them. Just just tell them, it doesn't matter. This technology is leadership obsolete such leadership this technology is going to be obsolete in a year is what she says she wants to get to that d and he's not and he's like pushing back just because he sort of like knows that he his ass is on the line and then she says do you have a problem with do you have a do you have a problem with me being you know with with, with, you have a problem with a woman in a position of power is essentially what i feel like she's intimating like that's what she's what she's getting at and he says no but he doesn't have an answer for like this problem and then the meeting the next day after everything that's happened, first he's late for the meeting by Meredith's designs, clearly. And then the second thing is that when they, and, and he confronts her about it. And when he confronts her about it and he says, you t- you pushed the meeting back. He says, you told my secretary is 830. And she goes, I said, his, I said, his secretary, his wife. right? Oh, his no, wife. It was his wife. It was his wife. You're right. She said, and she, and, um, she says, I said seven, I said 730. If she can't learn to take a fucking message, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot for like a middle of the office, like. Middle of the office, like, casual banter is people are, like, you know, trying to find, like, a bagel and some cream cheese. And it's, like, these two getting this spicy in the middle of of an office meeting with, like, investors. Um, I mean, maybe I've been lucky in my career. And maybe because my career has been, you know, mostly um, in the contemporary, you know, 2010s and beyond. Mostly, but not all. Your career (laughs) extends well, well before that. And not in the 90s, but I have never witnessed or been a part of a conversation where people spoke to anybody like that. So it's like people will get like people the most is these people getting passive aggressive, but it's all it's all wrapped in jargon and language and whatever. And then what you do what most people do is you go out to lunch with your work bestie and you talk shit about the person who said something totally fucking annoying in a meeting or whatever but you never see like these kinds of conversations like where people are fucking yelling at each other like that or at least i haven't when you work for my company though this is one of the things about my company and about the culture 
at my company was that we had these kinds of interactions. We got, we actually threw hands sometimes at my company and in those meetings and stuff. And so I find it hard to believe that you've never been punched in the stomach or punched in the face in one of the board meetings. At I should have, well, I should have started this. I, I it's, it's, it's interesting because I have, um, sort of like blacked out those years with your company because it was, um, you know, a really, really difficult time in my life. Um, I've never, you know, been a part of something so violently unprofessional and so um, unfocused. And, I mean, a person... Talk about women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Um, you know, it was almost like Pedro Almodovar was writing your script. And it was... <laughs> you know, Pedro was you, a close, is a close personal friend. So it makes sense yeah. that the poeticism that you find in the movies you would have found in the workplace that I was in. This is a part of the reason why I made sure to get you out of, of my company. And I That's... I gave you that little parachute to get you started. Um, <laughs> oh, honey. No, no, no. I, you're, I'm sure Dave will back me up on this. But I actually made a very big stink about how I was leaving on my own. <laughs> no, that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> my own... Um, volition and that I would no longer take part in the criminal and morally criminal activity that you We started calling you Big Stink when you left the company because of what you did in the bathroom. Because <laughs> on the day that you left, I had to bring in the plumbing people. But the thing is about you is that what you never do is you never talk about the good things that you learned about my company. You never I talk still about... don't know what your company did and I worked there for three years. We dealt with mergers and acquisitions is what we dealt with mostly. Of that what company, kinds of companies? Many. There was a myriad. I couldn't name them all, so I won't name any. But, like, <laughs> it, it was like, I taught you. You told me you'd never even heard the term synergy before you came to my company. <laughs> so you left with a wider vocabulary. You didn't know what import and export was before you worked for my company. Well, I'd learned, I learned. I Actually, that's false information. I learned that from Art Vandalay. Logistics? You didn't know I, about logistics. You didn't know about schematics. <laughs> we put you on, and then you went into the workforce. Schem- I would like, love to know schematics for what. What do you mean? What? What? You, what schematics is a very general term. I'd love to know wh- what kind of schematics you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about, Jane. I again, this has been three years of me trying to figure out what your what your company does, and. I, you know, I'm going back to Digicom. I've said it. I'd rather work for Meredith Johnson at Digicom than for you. So. And we also forgot to mention that meanwhile, throughout all this, he's like receiving emails from anonymous people. One set of emails. There's one he just gets. There's there's no it's there's no like return address, which by the way is impossible as far as I know to send an email without a return address. And it's also like hilarious because it's like a totally unrecognizable like email. Like I what I don't know what his email server is. Like it's like not Gmail, so I don't recognize it. But um, <laughs> there's one email he gets that just says pig. On it. It's just a one word email <laughs> with the word pig, which made me <laughs> fucking laugh so hard. He's definitely, like, he's on the outs with like the company and like he's getting these messages. And some of them appear to be coming from someone who's basically giving him cryptic messages about like sort of like you're looking at the wrong place. You're focused on the wrong thing, but mm-hmm. you got to look over here. While you're looking right, everything's happening on the left, kid. <laughs> and so like, he's like... Do, you think everything is going to work out, but it's not. Like, signed a friend. 
And it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of a friend which i know about that when you're a kid and you're trying to like make everybody think you've got you've got more companions than you do and you're just like <laughs> they just sound your old friend but somebody gave me candy or when we were in high school we used to have in high school we used to have where you could buy yourself um you could buy roses like you could buy like a dollar like for valentine's rose day on valentine's day and the roses were all delivered in like your fourth period class or something so mm-hmm. anybody who's like gotten roses that day all of your roses are delivered or sometimes they were delivered like different people were running roses to classrooms so you'd get like multiple interruptions and like people just coming in to drop <laughs> off roses for you and i oh definitely remember one year like buying multiple roses for myself and then <laughs> and then like people coming in and bringing Man, them in that's and being, so like, sad <laughs> I got a couple from friends too. I got a couple from friends too. But I do remember not being sure I was going to get them from friends. And I was like, no, 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 so you're like, I'm setting it up. And then were you like, oh, I don't know. It must be my secret admirer. I'm like, oh my God, signed a friend? What? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Oh, it, it, it must be my friends over at Digicom. No worries. Um, but it's like grown men. Um, <laughs> Brandon, we gotta talk. That's really we inappropriate. Got, we got, not at my high school. It was just been like under rock swept. I'm sure plenty of stuff was going on there. Nobody was talking about. But um, yeah, so all of this is sort of like happening really quickly, and then he goes out for some reason. It's unclear because they don't really invest time in creating a sort of relationship between him and like the Mark character who's played by Dennis Miller. But it's like there's one scene where they're friendly, and then after that, it's all animosity. But like, yeah, it's so weird because it's they a really. really weird relationship they really try to make it seem like there's a very there's an underlying friendship but you don't see it like no you just see the contentious sort of like developments that happen because we only literally get half of a scene with like three other characters in it where he's talking to the team and dennis miller has a couple of his shitty one-liners and then like a couple of scenes i hate everything dennis miller says because dennis miller is more excited and and so obsessed with his own performance and it's to a degree that there's no room for you to to like it which i don't but like he's so self-congratulatory that it's just like ugh. It's so Shut obnoxious. Up. The way he says everything is so fucking arrogant and cocky. And I just want to be like, you must have been like, imagine the women who had to date him. Ugh. yeah. Him God. and um, Bill Morrison down for high tea. Oh um, my God. Cringe fest. That uh, is my, you know, when they're like, they ask you like, you know, your dream dinner party or whatever, like who would you invite? Or like who's, if you could have lunch with anybody, it's like my nightmare is Bill Maher, Dennis Miller. Bill Maher, Dennis Miller. You always are a really big Rush Limbaugh fan. Um, <laughs> Hitler. Who else? Hitler. Um, um, David Duke. UDD, uh, of course. <laughs> Trump, um, you know. Trump there, Joe Rogan. Oh God, this is like this is the worst, worst, worst part. Andrew Tate, I, maybe. Oh God, I want if there's God, I am not a violent person. It also this sounds like a really unsafe dinner for you as well. Oh, I I, I would be killed by the end of it for sure. I would be absolutely fucking strung up. Well, uh, he's in jail, so fuck that dude. Exactly. Shout out Greta. Um. But yeah, so all of so all of this is happening. He goes out to dinner with Dennis Miller. Is on a double date for some reason, even though it seems like they don't like each other. But he's on a double <laughs> date with Mark and Mark's wife. And then Mark decides to basically unload everything about the lawsuit at this dinner, which at this point, Michael Douglas's wife has no knowledge of. So she's completely in the dark about everything, which just makes him look more guilty. Mm-hmm. And this whole scene, she also says a lot in this scene that like leads you to believe that like he's maybe committed like other like extramarital like a dalliances well 
Well, the first thing to note is that she's a true ride or die because the second he brings it up and we know that she doesn't know, she pretends like she knows and shuts him the fuck up. And she's like, I know everything and it's bullshit. And I thought, wow, girl, I would not have that composure, you would not. nor oh, would God. I pretend. I, no, would <laughs> I would be like, what, what are you fucking saying <laughs> what? right what now? Babe, what's going on? <laughs> you, you would not at all have, have that moment to be like, to pull it together and be like, we'll discuss this after we have our appraisal. Of course support. not. Of course no. not. Because once that information is being unloaded, the discomfort... At, uh, the, the comfort at, uh, at, uh, of the person who unloaded it and the comfort of my wife who possibly cheated on me is not my priority. My priority is the information. Your priority is you. That's your priority. <laughs> and making sure that you are vindicated. Like you would sit through dinner and be like, mm-hmm, like cut, cut up. You know I would. I, would. I don't give people anything. Ugh. I don't. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give anybody anything. I may be texting him like crazy in the middle of dinner. <laughs> I may come up with an excuse to leave the table quickly and send him a monologue. But absolutely, you would leave. You would excuse yourself. I'd be like, oh, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And then he sent him a voice. Yeah, and then you, like, I don't know who the fuck you think you're playing with. <laughs> From the cab, because you're already yeah. on your way home. It's about I'm to a... change the locks. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly my stomach's turned. Um, <laughs> no, I'd still be getting my food. Who am I kidding? I'm sure I'd be in that <laughs> <to go>. But <laughs> that really, that's, that's real tea. They'd be like, I'd be like hot. I'd be like mad. But you know, I'd be in the front sitting by the, sitting by like the host stand waiting on my pizza. I go inside just being like, you better make mine to go. <laughs> that pizza's going to be, they, they see me leaving like, oh, should we cancel your order? No, 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 no. That's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be to go now. And put a side salad and some, um, and some cal- fried calamari with it too. Hurry up. I gotta get out of here. It's like it took longer than it took them to get their food outside. It's just like you could have just waited. You could just ate. Um but all this not is going this on. Table. <laughs> not at this table, not with these freaks. Uh but him and his wife basically she says, Oh god, she kind of believes certain aspects of it, but she's also getting everything at one time. She's getting the fact that this is a person that he had some sort of relationship with. Which like and, and even within the movie, it seems like it's unclear until we get to the deposition. The fact that like Meredith and Tom had like a relationship. They say that they lived together. They lived together. together. They were like a couple. It's not just like in the beginning of the movie, it seems like, oh, maybe they had a tryst or like at like a work conference, or like maybe like they hooked up once or twice by the deposition it is clear that they were in a whole ass relationship where they lived together for an extended period of time and like went on trips to napa napa together and it was 10 years earlier so to me more would have been 22 so exactly so that's working your way through college what's going on exactly the math is questionable (laughs) the math tom the the math does math, but it doesn't look good. The math maths, but I'm not loving the I'm not loving the, <laughs> what the equations equaling. Okay, exactly. <laughs> but also, this 40 year old man with a 22 year old is not that shocking. I think that she would have no, moved up as not. quickly as she did over the course of this decade is like not crazy, but it is like if you think about that and if you do those numbers, then it's like to, whoa, that's quite an ascent. Yeah, I mean, to get a VP job at like not only are you a woman it's 1994 you're getting a vp job and you're 33 
like or 32 whatever however old she is still i mean like, yeah it's just like that's that impressive. is that's a that's very impressive for, for a lot of reasons but i will say when the wife is i just want to go back to the wife like having this conversation trying to figure out what happened and he's like telling her and like dripping out the information trying he doesn't want to talk about it because he's angry or whatever but it's like she was not angry enough for me in that moment she really like she gets mad but she doesn't get mad in the way that i imagine someone learning all of this shocking fucking information would be mad it's it's a and lot maybe she just takes a while to process it but oof it was Oof. one thing that was interesting to me was earlier in the movie before she knew all of these details when tom says to her i want to leave like about what happened and how he's passed over for the promotion she's like quit and then in this scene when they have the fight she's like you can't quit that job you can't lose that job and i was like what happened where's that energy from the, the other day where the energy to- is so different <laughs> you were ready to go back to the workforce sis she's like no no no, 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 no. i thought about it and look she said, you know what i slept on it and here's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like you need I'm to. Glad, I'm glad we didn't take any rash measures that night because oh, your girl is yeah. unprepared. I'm not really. I looked into what it was really going to cost me. And then also she basically says, like, I've been sexually harassed a lot. And so, like, you need to just deal with it. Like, you need to deal with it and go back to work. But it's also, like, this is beyond sexual. At this point, like, this isn't, has not, this is, it is about the sexual harassment. But, like. It's about everything else that's transpired since the event that happened. And, like, there's no going And back. the point, the point is, too, it's like, he was actually just going to deal with He it. was! But when, but when Meredith Johnson turned it around on him and made it that he sexually harassed her, then he has to deal with the reality of all this. That's he was going to do, he was going to do what most women do, which is quietly move on from it and try to find, like, peace and you know at, at the detriment of no one's career having to face your fucking like assault assaulter every single day at the office and deal with it which i obviously that's not i'm not recommending that but so many women do it because it's situations and movies like this that are made that make people not believe women who report crimes like that in the office no you're right it's it, it, it was just, it was a really, like, it, it was really interesting because it was, like, sh- it was almost like she didn't understand that, like, we, that, like, we've, we've moved beyond that. And maybe she didn't because she's only getting pieces of this story. But it's, like, all of right. that was, like, that was the night he came home to you. That was the plan. But once everything else happens and once she has, like, Garvin and, you know, Phil, Bob and Phil on her side, the two people that are sort of like running this company, then it's like Tom's odd man out. So it's like there's no world in which he just goes back to work and like calmly continues doing his job. So right. he has no choice, really. Like, this, like I think his best move. He is had to done. lawyer up. He really yeah. did. And like, um, and then like we have the deposition, which is just like it's a classic movie deposition where like the, the lawyer for the opposing counsel is just attempting to discredit you and your existence and like this lawyer (laughs) for the opposing counsel meredith's lawyer is he's an old head and he is like going in (laughs) his favorite word is boner and there's a scene in this movie where he's like you're talking to your friends and you said i got a boner and then everybody laughed is that what it says and tom was like yeah yeah but it was different he's like was your boner different He's like, oh, no, no, my boner was the same, but it was just, I, I didn't mean it like that. You didn't mean you had a boner? Uh, well, I won't say that. I'm just saying that I didn't quite understand. Boner? Boner, boner? 
It's just like he says boner so many times in the scene in the so world times. in which you're saying that in a professional capacity. I'm not laughing. Um, and also, the way that Tom actually handles this interaction really bothers me. Because if you look back at that conversation, I actually wrote down the conversation earlier because I thought it was so fucking gross that um, Dennis Miller's character, who I fucking hate, and Dennis Miller in this movie was saying this to him. And he does not participate in this conversation at all. Dennis Miller goes, she doesn't give you a boner? Because I'm definitely getting lift off. And he's like, no, she's my boss. Like, let's leave it. And I'm wondering why you aren't bringing that energy to the deposition where it's like, actually, my coworker said this to me and I reacted negatively to it and walked away instead he's like oh that's just how guys talk whatever and it's like no 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 but you didn't participate in that and you need to be more clear about that i didn't i have an opinion but i wasn't going to say my opinion because i was scared of somebody using this against me if i ever end up in legal um going back and finding so i won't say it then no say it say 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 say. i don't don't want to use it against me yeah, I don't want this excerpted from here. So, Tara, I think you need to remove this after I say it. But what I was going to say was, no matter what I said in a deposition, I would lie anyway. If it was going to make me look bad, <laughs> and if it's just hearsay, and it's just what they said against me, that I'm absolutely going to say, no, I didn't say that. I don't know what conversation you're talking about. It sounds like they made that up. Absolutely. You didn't say it. Nope. I'm not going to get into, like, because you end up, what happens is you end up in this because really weird space. It's unimportant, but you also end up in this weird space where you have to, like, give context and articulate what you're going to say. And that's you believing that you're going to get the space from the opposing counsel's lawyer to do that, which right. I don't think that I would trust that I would. I wouldn't mm-hmm. get the space to sort of, like, articulate the nuances of what was said. And I know that the moment that you say yes, they're going to either move on to the next question or they're going to railroad you. So I would literally just say, no. <laughs> you didn't say it? Nope. Nope. And, and then move they on. Bring out, and they bring out a tape of you saying it and then you're fucking... And I would say, ooh, that doesn't sound like me. Um, Mm. here's a clip of me speaking at the beginning of my award-winning single man mound. Um, (laughs) this is what I sound like, but that's not it. It's not giving vocals. It's -hmm. not giving harmonies. I don't hear Mm -hmm. melisma. That's not Mm me. Nice try though. That sounds actually like you lawyer. Nice try. (laughs) Did you record this outside of the, I saw you with the, with the recorder. Oh no, I didn't. Oh, so it's my version of insurance, huh? How does Mm -hmm. that feel? Mm -hmm. Let's move Mm -hmm. on. So it's very that, but he's like trying to explain it. He's like, yeah, I did say it, but, and he's cutting it off. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't though. You didn't say it though. And also, and you that can always an say. that was distinction that I wish he'd fought for. You also can say not to my recollection or I don't recall. Yeah. But also mm-hmm. his wife is in these, in the deposition hearings and he's letting her hear so much information for the first time. She has been completely ill prepared for this entire thing. So she's just like sitting over there with like smoke coming out of her nostrils. And she's, it seems like she's finding out about the, the, the extent of his re- previous relationship with Meredith in real time. And like, well, she's also finding out that her his dick was in her mouth. He just told them that they made out, and then he stopped it, and she wouldn't like get off of him. But she did not tell him that like he was like all of a sudden so turned on that he was just gonna do it, but then stopped himself. And he didn't tell her, "Oh yeah, my dick was hard." And she put my hard dick in her mouth. Like if 
if my wife was coming to that hearing, I'd be like, this is what you're going to hear. This is exactly Let me go ahead and give you happened. like exactly because I need you to have the bravest face in the room. So exactly. and I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna <laughs> and I'm not gonna do that to you. I'm not gonna make you have to like sit there and right. like, process it in real time. So let me go ahead and hit you with like all the possibilities of what you could hear. You know? Exactly. Or, because the fact that like, he doesn't give her this information makes it seem like he thinks of her as an afterthought. Even though, like, in this scenario, like, not only is she, she could be a support to him, but she's a lawyer. She could be an asset to him, you know? Or he could just be like, look, she's already told me she's going to lie and say that my dick was in her mouth. It didn't happen. <laughs> it was one kiss and she initiated it. And then I pushed it's... her off of me and I said, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the fucking world. I don't want you to do me more. <laughs> and it's just, it's gross. You'll see her when we get in there. She's gross. <laughs> and it's a fucking Demi Moore. And, and also, I'm just learning so much about you that you are so more than willing to lie under oath no matter what. I was just and joking. I, I never would. I never would. I respect the Constitution. And I would completely own up to anything that happened. And I would trust that the justice system would do what it's done for so many black men before me. <laughs> um, Famous, our famously unflawed justice system. <laughs> our justice system, is, it's ironclad. Um, it's and it's it's literally it's never gotten it wrong, never. Look, the thing about our justice system is that it hasn't had to change for hundreds of years, you know, because because it's perfect. Because it's perfect. Uh, half of that mm-hmm. thing is true, um, but yeah. So <laughs> so all of this is happening, and she's like doing her best to like get through it, but she's hearing a lot of stuff. Once again, the rug's been pulled out from under her. But I mean, it's also like ultimately what happens in this. What happens is that. That phone call that he was making earlier in the movie, the phone call that he was making that was interrupted by Meredith's voraciousness as she went for his man mound, um, <laughs> is it was keep it was recording. It was recording the whole time. He thought he was calling Mark Dennis Dennis Miller, and he believed that maybe there was a chance that the that the recording because the next day at the meeting he's talking to Mark. Mark says, "I didn't get a call from you last night." He's kind of perplexed because he's like, "I left you a message," and we find out later that like in like sort of like the hullabaloo of everything that was happening, he actually called the wrong number. So he's able to get his, get his hands on the cassette tape that Digicom has been trying to get their hands on because they've gotten Tom's phone record. So they've been looking for the number that he called. And Tom gets his hands on the recording, the answering machine recording. And Don't you want to say who the wrong number was? The wrong number was John Levin. And it was the guy, the annoying guy from the ferry. It was the, the an, it was the, an, was, was it the it? annoying guy? No. I thought it was. No. It was not oh, him. It's it was, just it was, a, it was a much younger guy. It was like a guy who was like in his forties. Oh, <laughs> it was. It all happened in the dark. In the it exchange, did all happen so in the like, silhouette oh. dark and victorious rocky yeah. music played in the background. Um, <laughs> but he gets the tape. They play it at the deposition, and basically, you know, the company sort of like folds, so to speak, because it exonerates him. It exonerates him. Exactly and it proves. But then this is the scene where Demi Moore has all of her great dialogue, where she's basically like she rips apart like the puritanical like nature of and the respectability politics around like women like owning their their womanhood and they bring up the fact that he says no 31 times on the recording and she's just like and she's like basically she's just getting at the fact that like you know oh if we were to play by those rules it's not it's not gonna be much fun anymore like she has like she has a lot of like one-liners about like how bullshit it is that like you know women are respected basically to like not be sexual beings and like when they initiate sex it um 
it's ultimately used against them is what she's getting at, which is like, that's not mm-hmm. what this is about, go girl. And you know that's not like, what this conversation is about. Those are important points to make, but this isn't the place to make it because literally there's some very good points that you're making, but they don't contribute to the narrative of this story at fucking all. So no, that's not what we're like, discussing right now. You're pulling from a very real like struggle that women have even today, but you're using it as a weapon to get yourself out of sexually assaulting someone who never, ever gave you their consent, which is like, I'm sorry, girl, I want to be with you in this moment, but I cannot be. So this is so this is basically the dialogue between. I should just should, should we, do, should we do it? We yeah. should. I'll send it to you. It'll just take me a second because I'm good with technology. I'm already mm-hmm. almost sending it to you in, in this moment. It's like you it's work. basically been sent. It's like you work at Digicom. Did you come? You know that did you that did you did you come? What? Okay. And fucking send. I sent it. And you said you want to be Catherine Alvarez, so I'll be Meredith. Interesting. <laughs> I hate you. You never let me have any of the juicy rolls. Okay, did you send it to my email? Oh there it is. I did. Okay. Oh, Dave has instructed us to bring the energy. Okay. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> I am playing Catherine Alvarez. And this Brandon is, is paying me with money. And this is the scene basically after the recording has been read. And so Catherine Alvarez, who is who is Michael Douglas's lawyer, is basically calling bullshit on Demi Moore and her assertions about what happened. And scene. No means no. Isn't that what we tell women? Do men deserve less? Well, when he really wanted to stop, he didn't seem to have any problems doing it, did he? And that's when you got angry. Of course I got angry. So would anyone. Don't we tell women that they can stop at any point? Haven't you ever said no and meant yes, Mrs. Alvarez? Up until the moment of actual penetration. The point is he was willing. That tape doesn't change anything. The point is you controlled the meeting. You set the time, you ordered the wine, you locked the door, you demanded service, and then got angry when he didn't provide it. So you decided to get even and to get rid of him with this trumped up charge. Miss Johnson, the only thing you have proven is that a woman in power can be every bit as abusive as a man. (laughs) You wanna put me on trial here? Well, let's at least be honest about what it's for. I am a sexually aggressive woman. I like it. Tom knew it. And you can't handle it. It is the same damn thing since the beginning of time. Veil it, hide it, lock it up, and throw away the key. (laughs) We expect women to do a man's job, make a man's money. And then when we walk around with with a parasol and lie down for a man to fuck her like it was still 100 years ago, well, no, thank you. scene it's a really it's a really (sighs) gritty gritty scene and so this this is sort of then the settlement offer comes in which is basically we're going to give you a hundred k and then you're going to sign this paper basically absolving us as a company it's sort of the deal that they make with tom i don't know why he didn't push for more money but he takes this little uh, this hundred k because i would have gone all he cares about about keeping his job and get yeah fuck this job 
fuck this fucking job because this job is shit and we all know it. And you don't want to stay here anyway because there's already, there's always going to be a mark on you. And they're just going to, you know, the next time you slip up, they're going to be looking to fire your ass. So I would have just gone back with a crazier uh, number. I would be like 10 million, 50 million. And they're like, no, we can't do that. We, we can do like five though. Okay. <laughs> but I would have hit them and back that, with a wild number because yeah. this merger was so important to them and they would have done anything and they're already going to like they're to already going to attempt mm-hmm. I would imagine that and this could be completely off base on my part but I would imagine given like how new technology was at this time and Tom's skill set with technology that like them attempting to like put a mark on him I don't know how far it would have gotten because I feel like there was a really this push for like people that knew how to use technology and I think so many mm-hmm. companies were pushing for it that I think he could have made a new life for himself, even if it was just consulting. I think that there was a possibility mm-hmm. for him to utilize his skill set because I don't think many people absolutely. Had it. So I don't think that even a if white he did, man in Seattle who is successful mullet. in the world of technology with that mullet working for him, come on, he's I not think, gonna have any problem. But I would have just gone for it with, the, with the money I was requesting because the most I can say is no. And I would have mm-hmm. been like, what are you mm-hmm. willing to do? And I think they would have given him more than 100K. But he signs that paper so damn fast. And he's so excited about it. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, girl. So And, like, I was like, when that was happening, I was like, I this is too good to be true. This is not the end of it. Like, there's too much movie left. Like, there's no fucking way it wraps up just this easily. And after all of this sort and of, we like... We were right. We were right. <laughs> after all this sort of happens, then... Tom basically, while leaving the office, he overhears a conversation between Phil and Demi Moore. She's in the she's on the office gym on the stairmaster. They're having a loud ass conversation about very very like private things that they should be much more quiet about. They are yelling this over is, the stairmaster. This they is my rub. This is my rub about this movie is that there are a lot of secret conversations happening just in full blown public and, view well, of everybody. Nobody and everything's shit. glass. This whole movie, every office is made of glass so people can see in and they're having a conversation. And basically, Bob and at this point, this is a point too where you're like, okay, they just don't like him. Like Bob and Phil are having a conversation about it as well. And but he's having a conversation with Meredith, and they're basically talking about the fact that they're still gonna get him out. They're just gonna find a new way to do it. I don't understand. They don't do anything in this movie to make me understand why everyone has it out for Tom. So, so this all happens, and then we find Tom basically he, through through overhearing the conversation, he figures out what's going on. He goes over to the hotel where the company is holding. Where basically one of the um, the head of the other company that is merging with Digicom, they have like the VR headset um, in this in this uh, this hotel room. So he sneaks into the hotel room where the VR headset is, while all of the rich white men are downstairs having like you know doing rich white men shit. And having this is the day before the merger announcement. They're all just and discussing. Day before they like, sign the papers, alibis and just, coffee enemas. Exactly, and, and like he logs onto this VR reality headset. He hops on I... this the miniature trampoline that like there's a miniature like trampoline that he has to stand on. So he's on that in this hotel room secretly while they're downstairs. It's just, it's, it's just perfect like 90s technology that didn't exist yet so it is so funny to see it nowadays where it's like they just throw on this like quote computer filter over his face to make it make us think we're like watching his avatar in this like metaverse that they've they've created which and is the like, metaverse is literally just file cabinets it's the it's worst just, the metaverse of all time it's like it's file cabinets and then he opens one of the file cabinets in this virtual reality world and also 
like we're looking at a between shots of the metaverse we're looking at a bumbling michael douglas like on this like baby trampoline like struggling to keep his balance so it's like he doesn't look cool at all and so I, he's, sir, I turned to sarah during this and i was like i don't believe that michael douglas even knows how to turn on a fucking iphone let alone navigate this world no, no he doesn't know what's going on Catherine does all that and he is like He's fumbling around, and then he opens up one of the file cabinets, and he finds the documents about the production issues of what's going on in Malaysia. And he also, okay, and he also finds like, okay, so he finds these files first, and then what we just, and then as all this is going on, it's there, it's interspliced with clips of cat of Meredith. She's gotten done with her with her stairmaster workout downstairs and her sports bra at the and her um, perfect office. ponytail with one little drop of sweat on her forehead. Just a little That's drop. It. That's yep. all men can handle. And so she's <laughs> she turns on her computer. She logs on. So now she's in the metaverse world with him. And her avatar, by the way, she doesn't have a full avatar, though. She just has, like, one of Demi Moore's headshots from her striptease era on, like, this weird, like, body that isn't, like, fully, like, anything. It's like this. It's like it looks like a stick. It's a stick basically. figure. It's a stick it's figure. It's a stick figure with her headshot on top of it. But her headshot also is, like, it has this sort of, like, smirk knowing quality to it. It's like her, like her, like Mona Lisa smile moment, and she's so she's a stick figure in this world. And then she starts like coming in and snatching up the files as Michael Douglas is trying to read these articles. We need we need to talk about this as you're blowing through this, and this is the most important part of the movie for me. (laughs) This fucking scene. First of all, they do like a jump scare with her avatar. shows up and it's supposed to be like oh, she's in the ver- metaverse too but you just see a headshot of Demi Moore on a stick figure and you're supposed to be like startled and then as he is like pulling out the files about the production line in Malaysia to like figure out that like they sabotaged him in order to get him out you know um, to fuck up and like they want to get him out of his position so that they're going to ask him questions about the production line tomorrow and he is not going to know the answers and he's finding out the answers to this which is basically they sabotage him and as he's like reading these files virtually in front of him like he's holding like fake papers in the metaverse her avatar starts like rolling up behind him real slowly to give us panic that she's also in this universe deleting files before he can read them but it's unclear as to whether she knows he's in there it's not clear whether or not she can see him, although he can see her. And it may be because he's on the headset, so his avatar's in the world, so maybe mm-hmm. he's privy to more. Because they do say okay, earlier on in the movie, if you log into the virtual world from a computer and not from the VR software, you can still get in, but it is just going to be your head on a stick figure. So, like, she's on a computer. He's actually in the world. So it, he, it seems like he has access to information that she <laughs> that she doesn't know he's there because we get no reaction shots of her seeing him in the room and no, so she I don't think know. she knows but it's just like the timing that she's also in this like virtual world <laughs> and then the best one oh we're gonna say I just uh, the image of her rolling up behind him she, slowly she's like levitating headshot like, <laughs> coming it to get is him. so stupid it is not doing what they thought it was <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the shot where he actually there's for some it's also funny too because it's like 
why were any of these documents ever even in this file? If your goal was to keep this stuff hidden, it makes no sense that you've got a Trevor Trove of Burning Gun. Just like, in, <laughs> I know. Of, just like in, that's not 100%. the right phrase. Burning Gun isn't the right phrase. It's I'm a smoking gun. Smoking gun. gun. Thank you. A, tre- a, Trevor, a treasure trove of information that is a smoking gun. It is, in, it is just in this file. And so he's pulling out, there's also like full on like video conversations with her and... Who's the guy she's having the video conversation with? We meet him earlier. The, in the guy movie. in Malaysia. He's the guy in the, he. He video chats with Tom throughout the th- throughout the movie, being like, "Oh, I don't know what's going on at the production line. I don't know what's going on. I'm out here on the ground floor and I can't figure it out." But really, we find out that he's in on it. He's in on it. And him and Demi Moore's character, Meredith, they're having a full-on conversation about screwing Tom over. And this is weeks before anything's happened between them as well. Mm-hmm. So like. What we basically learn in this scene, and this is what I take away, because we had, Dave and I had a whole conversation after the movie. What I took away from this is what's happening, and I may be wrong, but what I think has happened, and you could say no, you think that it goes back further, but I thought, because what we find out in the next scene, which is the scene which is a big board meeting where their plan basically is to, is to do the final coup de grace and for Tom to basically be screwed over so that they can fire him. They can't fire him based on sexual harassment, but they can fire him based on incompetence. Which also... He and like, they are going to make him look stupid in front of all... In front of everyone stories. to justify the decision to remove him from his position. But also Tom like is like, oh my God, I got to see the contract. Can they fire me for incompetence? And it's like, always. 100%. You don't need to at, see the contract at, to know that. At every not. job. He like freaks out and calls Lauren. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Can they fire me for being terrible at my job? And it's like, absolutely. And white men quaked all over, all over the nation. Wait, hold on. They can boot me for not knowing how to do my fucking job? Um, not in my America. Um, but yeah, so all of this. What I was confused by, because Meredith is the one who starts it the next day, and she's planning on, like, ripping Tom apart, and she basically, mm-hmm. she she raises her hand at this meeting. Tom once again references, which now he understands what's going on with the production issues, before he did not. And he mm-hmm. basically, she asks about the production problems, and he says, yeah, they are still happening. She says, well, why why are they happening? And then he says, you approve the changes. It's like she went, they, they approved the changes of going from, like, I think they say from a number seven to a number Number five. So they're basically using like a lower quality part and also manual labor. They're in, they're using manual labor to put these pieces together. And they're also working in a factory that isn't properly ventilated. So dust and debris and all of these things are all compounding to create the problems. Meredith mm-hmm. is the one who was on the ground in Malaysia weeks earlier. She approved these no, changes. No, that was a year earlier. I'm sorry. Not- a year ago, Meredith basically like approved these changes, which have caused these problems. What and then ultimately Meredith is ousted from the company because she once again she's a woman and she gets really emotional and she embarrasses herself in this meeting once everything doesn't go her way. Bob and Phil ultimately and she's make the, also a scapegoat for the top. Oh, and she's a scapegoat. Yeah. And Bob and mm-hmm. Phil ultimately make the decision because they have no other choice in this moment. Like they're the deal is now threatened, so they decide to boot her. What I think happens is that I think that before the decision to get rid of Tom, what I think it hinges on is that Meredith made a mistake while doing the bidding of Bob in order to impress Bob. Part of the reason why Bob wanted to give her this job, I think, is because of how effective she was at negotiating this deal in Malaysia, at saving the company money. This was like Mm. a boss move in Bob's eyes. I think that Meredith made the decision, and then I think at a certain point, Meredith realized that that decision was the reason why production was being halted. And I think that Meredith made the decision once she realized that, that she had to figure out how to get rid of Tom. 
And it seemed to me like Meredith, the, the whole thing, which I never understood about this movie until watching it this time, was Meredith had no desire to really have sex with Tom. She just needed to have sex with Tom yeah. to create a reason to fire him. Before when I yeah, watched the movie. Absolutely. That's, oh, I didn't that's get that I at all. I think that somewhere in the middle of everything, Bob and Phil's, but well, not really Phil, Bob's personal interest then became a, became threatened because he had just hired Meredith and it would have been an optic nightmare before this merger to have to replace a VP. So I think that he decided that he was going to just stick with Meredith. He agreed to make Tom the scapegoat. Sacrifice we already, Tom. We, we sacrificed Tom, but I think that the beginning of it, I think, was Meredith's mistake that she made, which she realized down the line, which is why when Tom comes to her office and he's like, what's the problem? And she says, oh, just like give him some BS because it doesn't matter what Tom says because he's going to be the reason that he's going to be the person that they pin all this on and they fire. I would have to watch that again because I didn't get that. But I, it doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Wait, you didn't get what? I didn't, I did not, I did not see or understand or interpret this as being Meredith's ultimate mistake. What I interpreted it was, which was why is this difficult for me to understand what the motive was for these people. This was in, this was in action for a year they wanted this to happen for the last so year. you think that but that would mean that they went over to malaysia and they initiated these changes knowing that they would mess up the production line in yeah. order to fire tom a year yeah, that's what that that's Which, that's that's what i understood to have happened but that doesn't mean that i could have missed that you know what i mean and see, I'm saying, for like, me yours makes sense but that's not what i took in while i was watching the it. only reason why that feels is because that feels like a lot of money and a lot of wasted time and energy to totally. fire a mid-level exec when i feel like totally. that's the only reason why i thought that without Meredith, any particular motive which it could be it could be it could i just, be just i would that. have to that's a very very convincing argument i just didn't gather that. I, that that and i could be wrong but that was some of like what i was seeing this time as i was like okay so meredith made a mistake and then she figured out that knowing that tom or you could be right and bob Garvin could have partially hired her knowing about her previous relationship with tom and thinking oh she will be the perfect person to potentially like get Tom ensnared and whatever. But what I will say is that it seems like there's ignorance on the part of Garvin because there's a scene where Phil and Meredith go to Garvin's office and they explain to him about the sexual assault thing. And Garvin says, I want him fired. And it seems to me like if that was the case, we don't need the scene and the performance of him pretending to know about it. So that's the only right. reason why I thought that maybe he was to a certain degree in the dark or at a certain point figured out that what Meredith had done and then was so had basically committed to being a ride or die for her. So he had no choice. But it was clear from the beginning there's a disdain for Tom and mm -hmm. we, he did not respect him. And so I think that it was an easy choice to make him the scapegoat. I think that the biggest move that Tom makes is moving a couple of steps in front of Meredith with her help from that loud ass conversation that she had with Phil. I know. But she the movie actually gave up the goat. She gave it all up. But the movie actually is she was too about comfortable. It's about power and it's it's about the fact that like Meredith, well, you know. Let's be let's be honest. I'm sorry, finish your sentence. I told No, you I was just going to say it's actually like a really funny it was really funny watching it this time because it's like I always thought it was about Demi Moore being finding Tom Meredith finding Tom irresistible and like risking it all. And I was always perplexed by that. And this one was like, oh, okay. So like, she doesn't yeah. really like, Tom's just a means to an end. She, like, did. she, just... she did at one point. She did at one point. 
Oh, what do you mean, like before the movie started, like in the past? Well, when they had they had a relationship, they lived oh, together. Oh, I'm sure, but found him that way. but yeah. like not not sexy enough to risk her job. Like these were all moves that sh- she was making, and I'm sure she thought right. he would be an easy mark as well. He's married. He seems like somewhat unhappy or like not completely satisfied in his marriage, at least a little bit when they're having their conversation. And I think that she, I think that her need for this sexual act to happen, I think that her plan was like the scratch on the chest. Her plan was to create through rough sex, I think, Mm -hmm. like evidence. And I think ultimately she was planning on following through, potentially going to the police and maybe even having like a kit done on her or something. Like she wanted to have tangible evidence of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that him leaving, the anger and the fury had more to do with the fact that like, A, I'm Demi Moore, how dare you? This should have been easy for me. And then B, my plan has been foiled and now I have to pivot. And I don't have as much evidence to substantiate my claims as I'd hoped to have. It was going to be an mm -hmm. ironclad case. And now- I totally agree. I totally- I totally agree that she 100% planned this in order to use it against him. I but, don't think it was because she was so attracted to him that she couldn't have. <laughs> so she's actually one of the, yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she, although, she, you know, once again, we still get more scenes of beautiful women that, you know, are willing to put it all on the line just to, just to get well, a, ultimately, a taste of Well, ultimately, I think this apparently. movie is, is a, a classic. cautionary, oh. is absolutely First of all, very fun to watch. I will, I will absolutely admit, but also a cautionary tale for hiring women in the workplace. Absolutely, That's what happens when women get power, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what happens when you let women go to factories in Malaysia and initiate exactly. changes that they're ill or do equipped. anything. This is what happens when you let women leave the kitchen. Ooh, I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. I think you you hit the nail. Sit with it on the head. Mm-hmm. Be mm-hmm. home. Be I don't home. even want them in the backyard. I don't want them gardening anymore. <laughs> Not without my permission. <laughs> so Jane, on that note, mm. yes, I have a question for you. Okay, would you watch this movie again? I would absolutely watch this movie again. In fact, because you brought up that theory at the end, now I absolutely want to watch it again and be like, is that right? So yeah, I'll probably watch it again very soon. Okay, I love to hear it. And then question yeah. number two. Is, uh, do you have anything that you want me to, me to cozy up to? Any movies that you want me to watch? I do. And I have been thinking about this one. Um, and it's been on my list for a while. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Although I have not watched it in a very long time. Um, but one of my beloved movies called 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, we're probably okay. finally gonna pop your ten things I hate about you, Cherry. What the only thing that I really do know about Ten Things I Hate About You is I know the Julia Styles monologue from Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> of course. Um, How but can it'll you avoid be fun it? to see it in context. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to watch it again too, because I have not seen it in years. So, so I think this is fun. gonna be um this is gonna be a fun one. So everybody get ready for a little ten things I hate about you. I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch it and record it with you next week, Janie. Well, thank you, Bran, for bringing me disclosure, for mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. with me about this, mm-hmm. um, you know, fascinating 1994 Absolutely. epic movie. Um, we, I love you, and I want to thank our audiences, I, audiences, more than one, um, because I love them too. And mm. I want to thank them for taking this journey with us this mm-hmm. you know <laughs> thrill thrilling discussion about a thriller um mm-hmm. 
and about Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. Um, we would love for you guys to check in with us during the week. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies We Missed. And we will absolutely see you next week for 10 Things I Hate About You. We love you. Good. Bye. Bye. We got a top. That's really inappropriate.